What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Jeremy Jensen. He's the founder and inventor of Grassroots Powder Surfers. I mean, this is why I think skateboarders are so successful in anything they do like if you can skateboard you can probably do anything because it takes so much dedication so much balance so much self-control pain pain tolerance and tolerance for failure like you'll go out and you'll try a trick hundreds of times and just not land it over and over again but you still keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and then you land it and just that sense of satisfaction in that like moves you on to do that again on the next trick so it's like constant progression This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview rocket scientists, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. If you like what you hear, we're also going to be releasing exclusive bonus materials like PDF checklists, reports, and presentations, but only for members of the collective. If you're interested in those, as of this recording, you can still join for free on the Ideation Collective website, which is iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. Also, before getting rolling, we want to invite you to consider helping the charity our founders started called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the United States and abroad. One of our foreign projects we're working on right now is helping to build an aftercare orphanage in Cusco, Peru. To learn more about that, please come to the Child Rescue section on our website, iCollective.co slash child rescue. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Today on the show, we've got Jeremy Jensen. He's the founder and inventor of Grassroots. What's it called? Grassroots Powder Surfing. That's just the name of the company. The name of the company, I guess, yeah. And is it, are you the founder? Is there anybody else? Yeah, 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 I found it myself. Okay. (laughs) It was, well, I guess Grassroots was, we started as a skateboard company in 2000. Um, And at that point, it was like me and two other friends kind of just dreamed up the idea to do to make skateboards to kind of re- revitalize the the stoke in our little town it was kind of people were burning out and skateboarding was kind of dying and so we started that a little skateboard company just so we could sponsor a couple of riders and get people excited yeah and so yeah i started with those two guys and then you know ended up doing all the work myself <laughs> <laughs> and so um and so yeah we in uh what 2007 I changed it over to grassroots powder surfing. We still do some skateboard stuff, but it's primarily a uh, powder surfing company or a company that makes pow surfers. Sure. And so uh, most people listening are going to know what a snowboard is uh, and they're going to know what a surfboard is. But uh, for people who haven't seen one of these, why don't you describe what they're like? Uh, so a, a powder surfer is just a, it's a hybrid between a surfboard, a skateboard and a snowboard. Um, it's ridden without any bindings, just like a skateboard or a snowboard, or just like a skateboard or a surfboard, rather. Um, but you ride it on the snow like a snowboard. So it's 
I don't know, it's uh, construction wise, it's kind of a mix in between a skateboard construction and snowboard construction. And then shape wise and the way it behaves and rides is kind of more like a surfboard. So it's kind of just a, a hybrid of all three of those things. I just grew up doing all those in, in my life and just kind of decided to bring them all together into one. Um, as an, you know, self-professed addicted snowboarder, I'm pretty interested in what you guys have been doing and, um, I'm kind of excited for today's show because I feel like from an innovation perspective, you guys are like, you're cutting new trail. Like you're, you know, you're taking influences and you're taking things that other people have done and you're kind of like restoring it, but taking it to a whole new level. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's start, let's talk about end of end of the nineties you start messing around with old broken snowboards and stuff tell us about a little bit of the evolution here yeah i mean it just started out i mean i guess my first experience kind of quote unquote powder surfing or just you know riding snowboards without the bindings was just standing um with my front foot in between the two bindings and my back foot behind the back binding and just kind of you know taking mellow turns um, through the backcountry, we would go up and build a lot of a lot of big jumps, kickers and whatnot for our snowboards. And so, you know, kind of in between those kicker sessions, we'd find these little mellow zones and we'd stand on our snowboards and turn them without the bindings. And it was like, well, you can do it. It's, it feels pretty cool. It's you know, we couldn't believe that it could be even done, you know. And and um, and so from there, I just kind of you know, we started thinking about trying different types of boards, like some of the old school boards, to see how those worked. And then cutting up, you know, old boards that had, had broken or something, just cutting them into new shapes to try to get them to work better. Because, you know, general, just standing on a snowboard didn't really work that well. It just wasn't designed right for it. Um, and so by cutting down these snowboards, we could kind of change the geometry and uh, and make it more conducive to riding it without bindings. So those were kind of the first taste was just playing around on snowboards. But it didn't really work very well. And so we, you know, eventually wised up and and started from scratch and started shaping them um you know in a way that we basically learned what not to do from the snowboards what worked and what didn't work and then you know cooked up our own thing um and started with uh, making boards out of wood and yeah immediately they they worked so much better than any snowboards that we'd ever tried you know even the the generation one boards we look back and at them and they're pretty terrible today but they work so much better than any snowboard did and we had the freedom to uh, to reshape them and take them out and ride them again and reshape them again because they were made out of wood. And so you could really learn a lot from each session and shape and reshape that board until you'd refined it into something that worked really well. And then I would, you know, I would I would just keep the templates, you know, draw out the templates and then redesign new templates in on the computer and kind of just build from there and just through trial and error and experience. You know, I ended up developing all these different shapes that kind of work in different conditions, different snow depths, different snow densities, um, and different sizes of mountains and slopes. So, and and what part here was was it when you guys started pressing your own skateboards and all that? Um, we never pressed our own skateboards. Okay. We just did graphics for skateboards. Like you'd be crazy to try to press your own skateboards <laughs> as far as a freestyle skateboard goes. I know some people do that with longboards, and you can you know you can make them. You can find a niche for that, but as far as like a freestyle skateboard goes, um, you can't compete with, with you, the blades. yeah, you really can't. They crank them out so fast, and you know, in in uh in the factories that that yeah, you're basically just putting your uh, 
some artwork on a board and then creating your your niche or your following by the style you know i mean most yeah. most skateboards are or almost the same you know there's three or four different factories that have different qualities and you know obviously the stuff that's made locally is you know out of better wood is is generally better than the stuff they make in china and and everything but but yeah a lot for large part part the skateboard industry was just kind of you're putting your your mark on a board and, and creating this little following and selling skateboards. So, yeah. so, and we just kind of did, did the skateboard thing as a, as an outlet for creativity, for art and, uh, and to try to, to get people stoked on skateboarding in our town again. And we didn't really push it much outside of, um, Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, you know, we'd, we'd deal to shops and stuff there, but we didn't really push it that, that hard. That was kind of pre internet times, um, for us too. So we just kind of did it as a hobby and a creative outlet. And uh, you went to school for illustration or for graphic design, correct? Yes. Yep. MFA, is that right? Yes. I got, I got a BFA in 2004, and then I just got my MFA in uh, December of 2014. Oh, that's great. So, so back then, uh, grassroots skateboarding in my undergrad was in like an outlet for like a pet project. You know, I'd, I'd do designs for my, for my schoolwork and stuff, and so it was fun. It was cool. And, and at what point were you actually starting to make these in the garage and, and shaving them versus cutting down the snowboards. So the power surfers, we started, you know, making them from scratch in 2007. Um, we just, we built some, some primitive presses and, and we were, I think back then we were just buying like straight, like plywood and like soaking it in the bathtub. And I guess so we'd get it to bend, you know, and then laying it up with glue and whatever and cutting them out. And so they had wood, you know, wood bases, so they weren't, you know, as fast. They weren't very fast and durable, but we'd paint them and then uh, wax them up to try and to try and get them to uh, slide a little better. But being that they were made out of wood gave us that freedom to uh, to shave them down and cut them down and experiment with a ton of different shapes and sizes and lengths and and uh, base designs and everything. So it, it gave us a lot of freedom to discover. And then uh, how far into that before you started having P-Tex? Uh, within the first year, I put P-Tex on my own boards, you know, right away. Like, because I was like, you know, this wood's it's just too slow. And, and when I hit a rock, it just takes a huge digger out of it and scratches the paint off. And you can't really repair wood very well. You know, like the, the epoxy doesn't stick in there and because you, know, you wax it and everything. So it's not very repairable when you have a wood base. So so almost immediately within, you know, the first season or the second season, I, I was putting P-Tex on my own boards and it was a real pain in the butt. Cause it wasn't, it just, I couldn't, couldn't get a great process for doing it. Couldn't figure it out really. And yeah. Where do you learn that? Were you so, searching the internet? Were you calling people? Yeah. I mean, experimenting both like, I don't know, back then I don't remember being on the internet much for some reason. Maybe it was just right before I, I dove into the internet a lot. So there so there wasn't really a lot to go by, um, just trial and error, mainly diff trying different epoxies and, and mainly like, I mean, I could get P-Tex to stick no problem, but it was a matter of getting like a graphic. Like we wanted it, we wanted them to look, you know, have, have a graphic on them. So, cause, cause we were trying to make them look like skateboards in a lot of ways. Cause you know, for, for me, I wanted it, I wanted people to be reminded of skateboarding and the roots of snowboarding at the same time when they, when they see these boards. And so that was the look I was going for. And so as I was trying these, you know, different inkjet prints, um, under clear P-Tex, 
or uh, you know straight painting and then putting PTEX over the top of that. And so just a, a lot of trial and error, and, and they weren't staying together super well. And so you know, no way I'm going to try to sell that stuff. So so we just made you know basic graphics on wood wood baseboards to sell to the public in the early days. Um, but all the while I was, I was writing P text bases cause you, you, you know, you want to go as fast as you can. Speed is the key to float. And, and when you're floating, that's when you have the most control, just like a snowboard. If you're trying to if you're trying, if you're going slow through the powder on your snowboard, you can hardly turn, you know, you're just submarining and it's sluggish and, and, uh, you know, same thing with water. If you're not going fast enough, you're not planning and you're not going to have good control, whether you're on a, a surfboard or a, a wakeboard or wake skate or whatever, you know, speed's crucial. So, uh, so yeah, I always put the PTEX on mine just to get durability and speed. And did you guys start selling them the first year with the first ones, or when did you decide to start selling the, them? The second year, yeah, I didn't sell any the first year. I didn't even try. I, I didn't really know um, how to, like, make an e-commerce store or anything, you know. So I had to, I had to figure that out, learn to make a little, a little ghetto internet store, and then... Um, and the next year, yeah, I started making them. I, I didn't have any money to mass produce them. I, we were making them for ourselves and trying to dial them in. And so, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be comfortable that, that the boards worked really well before I tried to sell them to anybody. And so, so we did a lot of uh, trial and error the first year, and then started selling them the next year. Probably only sold like four or five or something to you know some some random people all over the world, which I thought was crazy. I was like, wow, people in Europe, like, and, no and, way. Like, you now know, I got to figure out how I'm going to ship there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I had no, no business experience, no, you know, very little experience with anything and, and that didn't even have an interest in business. You know, I mean, the only reason I did, did this is because we thought we just had this really cool idea and we wanted to share it with people. Right. So, so it was, it forced me to figure out, you know, everything basically. And, Started a little little ghetto shop and little online shop and and we sold a few or I I guess we meaning I me it was just a one man company so and how um, were you getting the word out right off the bat how did you get these orders uh, from the, Europe how did they find out about you the uh, videos I think like I just put out a couple of short little videos just on YouTube or and, something um, or mm-hmm. yeah and then uh, that was kind of like I don't remember being on like Facebook and stuff back then so I don't think. Uh, uh, once you know, once we did get on Facebook, and you know the the videos went all over the place real fast, and so primarily my business was coming from Europe and Japan and Canada. You know, hardly one in the states even cared or would touch these things. It was really strange to me because I always thought that you know, being from the U.S., I'm like, oh yeah, they're we're on the forefront of everything. You know, like the U.S. is where all the trends start, and and it was kind of an eye opener to see that that you know. It's more like that's where the fads are, you know, but there's, there's so many people are, are willing to discover new things and maybe they were just raised differently. Like in, in Europe, you know, they're, they're such a, a winterized culture. Like their whole culture is, is built in the mountains and, and they're more accustomed to, to taking advantage of their environment like that and playing and having fun. And whereas, whereas in the States, like we go to ski resorts, you know, and it's very structured. And so it's, it was kind of weird, but everybody, Everybody's mom freaks out when you're telling you're going backcountry. Yeah, because yeah, they, they see nonsense on the news. Um, but yeah, it's always that's a whole other can of worms there. 
Not that avalanche safety isn't important. Uh, it's very important. Yeah, that's not what we're saying. It's absolutely important. But, but, but you know, you've got these people that have no no idea about avalanches, avalanche safety, the mountain eloquent. snow, or anything. You know, which are your newscasters, and they're hyping up all these people who also don't know anything about it, and they're the people pointing the fingers at people saying, it's "Oh, like, they shouldn't have done this, and they shouldn't have done that," and it's you know they don't know anything. So it's it's kind of funny. It's like the thirteen year old girl that won't go in the ocean when. She, you know, family trip to Disneyland because she doesn't want to get eaten by a shark. Right, yeah. I mean, you're more likely to get struck by lightning than you are to be eaten by a shark, I believe, or even bit by one. So, <laughs> Yeah. She better be taking cover in the rainstorms, too, so, then. So thinking about innovating or, or inventing, you know, a lot of people listening to the show are, are entrepreneurs or, or innovators of some type. Um, do you have any tips about, like, you have this passion, you have this idea, but I mean, there's just so many iterations and years of iteration. Go try it. Oh, come back a little better. Do you have any um, thoughts about why you stuck with it so long? There's been a lot of dudes who were out snowboarding and thought, oh, you know, it'd be cool. Let's do this. Oh, yeah. And yeah, everybody. here you are a decade and some later, a decade and a half later, <laughs> you're still doing it. You're still iterating. You're still pushing uh, yeah. Any thoughts about what's different about you in that well, way? Well, in, instead of just talking about doing it, we actually did it and then, you know, thought about making it better and made it, you know, made the effort to make it better. It was really hard to make these boards. They took forever to make. The first first ones I ever made, they were such a pain. Um, so much hand sanding and, you know, we didn't really have the right tools. So it was a huge pain in the butt. But we st- stuck with it and it, it was just so much fun every time we went. We were just inspired by fun, really. And and uh, you know we weren't really driven to make sales or anything like that. We were really just having fun. It was something that that I was passionate about doing. And and every time I you know made a better board and and learned more tricks and just learned how to really weave through the trees or or you know really make gorgeous turns. Like it just motivated me to go back for more and more. And in doing that, you just you know all that experience leads to. Um, design changes and just leads to a better product and the better the product is the better the writing is and that just it fuels itself really like when you when you pick something like that 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 you love and you're passionate about then it's you know that's the only driver you need you know because uh yeah like i said there was no no hope for money and success out of it at all it was just you know the boards got so much better it got more and more serious because we were doing things that we thought were never possible and that was you know like wow we just rode the first like top to bottom you know 500 vertical line without falling amazing you know and then you know the two weeks later you're riding the thousand foot vertical line with you know 35 40 degree steepness in it and you're like oh my god we never thought that was gonna ever be possible and you know and then someone does a do the first kickflip or something and we're just, you know, blowing our own minds every day, like progressing so fast and, and, you know, doing all this stuff that had never been done before in that type of environment. And that was, you know, motivation just because it was, it was stoking us out. It was making us feel like young kids again. It was almost like relearning to skateboard or, or relearning to snowboard, but even more, even harder and, and more in tune, you know, and basically taking all those skills that, that we'd polished, you know, that I'd polished over, um, 15 years of skateboarding and 15 years of snowboarding and, and blending those all together into this new, new little form of self-expression. And it was, I don't know, it was just so much fun. It was, my advice would be like, pick something you're passionate about and go for it. Like, don't just pick something that you think will make you rich because you'll probably just end up hating it or it'll just be another, you know, job or whatever. That's not going to give you anything more than, 
you know, maybe you'll make some money or whatever, but you could be selling, I don't know, iPhone cases or, or just, I don't know, you're not, you're not selling something that you're really passionate about that you care about. And, um, and then that will just lead to you probably outsourcing to China and just being a number pusher or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> instead of just being like really involved with your heart and your mind and your soul, because yeah. that's, it's just so much more fulfilling whether, whether it makes money or not. Like it's, it's like a part of you because you were passionate about it and you grew it no matter what anybody said, you know, you were comfortable with it. You were happy with what you were doing and, and you were getting, um, you know, non-material things out of it, feelings, you know, and, and a sense of satisfaction and, and progression. And like, I don't know, I think that's worth it more than money in my eyes. And I'm sure not everybody's that way, but, but it, it is really valuable. It is pretty fulfilling to create isn't it? Yeah, super. You know, especially when it works. You know, <laughs> there's always I mean, that because there, there's tons of da- <laughs> you know tons of failure, all sorts of failure, and so yeah, to actually come through and and go through all those challenges and have something that works really really well is yeah very fulfilling. You know, we had um, last week on the show we had Zach Olson who uh, he runs a company right now called Bookly. dot co, and it's like basically bookkeeping for a small business, but way cheaper because mm-hmm. um, he's automated some things, whatever. And he talks about his start in skateboarding that led him to start a skateboard shop that led him to hate running a skateboard shop because of all the <laughs> right. books and all yeah. the shipping and stuff. Right? Yeah. But uh, the we, not fun part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we talked about how he felt like he gained a habit of progression because you know he's like me where 95% of his skateboarding was like mine, where it's like 95% of the time you're not landing the trick. Yeah. You know, and you like, you kind of get used to like, that's okay. Yeah. Failing and, and being okay with it. Yeah. And it's like, same with art. I'm sure, you know, we both talked about going to art school. I'm an art school dropout myself. And like for most of the process, it's, I don't know about you. Yeah, no. I love the first 10%. <laughs> I love the last 10% and I yeah. hate the 80% yeah. in the yeah, middle. You have, you have people critiquing yourself, telling you it sucks and, you know, and, and you're not happy with it. And, but like you're saying, like, I mean, this is why. I think skateboarders are so successful in anything they do. Like if you can skateboard, you can probably do anything because it takes so much dedication, so much balance, so much self-control, pain, pain tolerance and tolerance for failure. Like you'll go out and you'll try a trick hundreds of times and just not land it over and over again, but you still keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and then you land it. And just that sense of satisfaction in that like moves you on to do that again on the next trick. So it's like constant progression and you just you get used to failing and you get used to not caring that you're failing. You know, you're falling down in front of people at the grocery store, you know, or out in the parking lot, you know, rolling around get you're dirty, skin. you know, you're you look terrible like out in society, but you really don't care. You shut those people out, you're doing what you love doing and and eventually you succeed. So I think skateboarding like it trains people to be successful and to not, you know, not to think about what other people say and not and you know, just to get in your own head and and try something until you succeed. Yeah. It's almost like it takes a bit of the sting out of failure when you just do it. So many, like mm-hmm. when 90% of the time I was not landing the trick, yeah. you just, you don't like for me, maybe I just, I didn't internalize that that said something about me that I didn't have a trick. I never mm-hmm. land the trick. Right. Mm-hmm. And then 10% of the time you do, uh, habitually, you know, and years of that, maybe it makes it, I wonder if that, you know, I see that action sports guys who go to the entrepreneur side, mm-hmm. they're like a little more experimental, a little mm-hmm. more like 
I'm going to go for what I'm going to go for. Yeah, they're not afraid to be individuals, and you know, because that's what they did through skateboarding, their career of skateboarding. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you, instead of thinking about, oh, I didn't land it, you're like, think about what you did wrong and mm. what, how, what you're going like, to do next oh, time you try it. a little bit. Yeah, I wonder if I flip just a little bit this way or put my weight just a little bit to the left next time, jump a little bit higher. And then, yeah, I mean, it's just constant learning from failure. So well, and there's also, like, an aspect of... of um, not not being complacent. It's almost like a culture. Like, don't get me wrong. There's tons of crap about the skateboard culture that's not helping people's lives. Sure, yeah. But <laughs> right, specifically. Well, we won't go into that. <laughs> but there is this. There's this idea of like, you know, it's not like chess with the rules. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, when you when you see somebody doing something like, like every time you watch a Rodney Mullen video, mm-hmm. right, and you're like it's like the the universe is always expanding mm-hmm. you know like the possibility there's always more possibilities yeah um anyways i think that's kind of uh invigorating it's almost like a i don't know it's almost like a high to achieve to progress and then achieve yeah. and then progress and achieve because it never stops there's like no ceiling and that's like the beauty of of uh skateboarding really and that's like part of what i wanted to bring to snowboarding yeah uh, through pow surfing is you know if you take the bindings off not only does it make uh, just the turning feel amazing and that much more like um, it just feels so much better, like so much more satisfaction out of a simple turn. But at the same time, you can, you're not attached to the board. You can spin and flip that thing under your feet, just like a skateboarder. So not only does it make, you know, a, a 10 foot air feel huge, whereas a 10 foot air on a snowboard is nothing, you know, and, and, uh, but you, you can spin and flip your board and land on it. That makes it infinitely, you know, infinite amount of tricks it's never the same, you know, snow, snow is never the same. Like, uh, when you're skateboarding, concrete is concrete, right? For the most part, it's, it's solid. It reacts similar. Powder is infinitely changing. It's never the same. And so, so it's, you know, it's even harder to learn those skate style tricks in the snow because it's, you know, it's never the same. There's no consistent consistency to it. Um, but yeah, like it really, it really just raises the ceiling. Like, you know, in snowboarding, we're almost to the point where you've, you know, you've got to do an extra flip and an extra spin. It's kind of always been that way, but now it's like, you know, triple cork tricks and you're, you're spinning as fast and as flailing as you can because this thing's attached to you. And, and when you take that attachment away, it, it adds so much more skill to do more basic things that you don't actually have to risk your life by, you know, I had to jump. 300 feet on my snowboard to get excited, you know, or, you know, re- realistically I had to jump hundred feet on my snowboard to get stoked. And I came up a little bit short, hit the upside of the now gap and, a and now my, yeah, my back's broken and my, my knees are both blown out. And so, you know, with, with powder surfing, you can take the scale down a little farther and you could do, you know, a 20 foot air where you flip the board 180 caught it with your feet landed and rode away and that was like so much harder than doing say like a double backflip on a snowboard because yeah. the things you know attached to your feet it's like jumping on the trampoline you just jump and do a double backflip land and ride away <laughs> so it's like <laughs> when sudden, it's not part of your you know body it's a whole different game you really are riding a board and it takes so much more skill anybody who surfs or skateboards can attest to that it takes so much more skill when the board is not a, an extension of your body you know like so I, I don't know. Skateboarding is a huge influence of, of powder surfing for me yeah. because it just it just takes the lid off, it takes the ceiling off. Yeah, I can see like 
how stoked you would be to do a big Jamie Lynn method. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much harder like, to do. Not than, attached, right? or, yeah, I mean, I love the feeling of doing a method on my snowboards. It's like the greatest feeling. But if I could do a, a big solid method like that on a pal surfer, that's like <laughs> mind blowing. Right? Yeah. Like, that's okay. Deal. Well, um, let, let's talk about, um, some of the other parts of, of how this has maybe blown up a little bit. Um, your videos obviously have, have caught on in a big way. Um, for anybody, you know, walking the dog or in the gym, listening to the podcast today, uh, come check out Jeremy's page on ideationcollective.com. We're going to put some of the videos and, and obviously links to his website where you can buy these things. They're pretty awesome. I just got to see a stack of them myself. Uh, but uh, let, let's talk about being contacted by somebody like Terry Hawkinson. Yeah, it was great. It just, I mean, like I said, I was worried about people thinking this was going to be just a silly joke, you know, of, of an activity that these weirdos in Utah are doing in the backcountry or whatever. And, uh, but to get, you know, props from people like, like Terry Hawkinson and, and Todd Richards and Brian Gucci and, you know, all these heroes of mine that, that I grew up and just looking up to was insane. And let, let's, for people who don't know these guys, right. The, the heroes of our youth. Sure. Yeah. Like Ter- Terry let's Hawkinson look- is like the Michael Jordan of basketball. If, if we're familiar with that guy, oh yeah, you know he's just like, you know, he's he's legendary. Just so, so above and beyond, like you know, yeah, he's just, he just years. stood the test of time. He was an amazing snowboarder through his you know competitive professional career, and then he's still an amazing snowboarder today. And he's he's active and he's opinionated and he's he does good things for the industry and and uh, so yeah, he's a really respectable guy. And so was he just emailed you or called you? Like, how did this happen? Yeah, I think I got, I think the first one was a text message and, and I thought it was a joke, you know, and then my, my buddy in Jackson, he's like, he's like, Oh, I just gave, he's like, if you get a text from Terry, I just gave him your number. And I was like, no way. You know, like I still kind of thought maybe someone was messing with me Yeah, because that's just so far out of my mind. And then I, you know, got emails from him and conversed for quite a while. And how long ago is this? This was probably in 2009 or 2010, maybe. Um, the first time anyways. And, and I'm like, well, let me send you out a board. You know, he's, he's like, no, I want to come, I want to come, you know, ride with you and ride your boards that way. And so I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and he, he got pulled away on these, uh, big, big movie deals for the next couple of years. So it was a while until I actually got to meet up with him. But, but just to be able to, you know, meet him and chat with him one-on-one was really cool. And, uh, yeah bucket list thing for and yeah i mean like a whole that, bunch right? of these these pro snowboarders yeah, DCP, that i look up to oh, look at all these yeah, guys get to go videos, riding right? with like kevin sansalone and dcp and you know all these people that are that are just rippers you know you, you put them on this pedestal and and you meet them and they're just the nicest guys ever you know they're just humans like the rest of us but but you know you just blow them up when you're a little kid you know but but yeah it was it was a real honor to have to have these people that i thought you know, that I looked up to so much actually writing my product and watching them like giggle, like little kids, you know, again, and watching it, watching them basically become young again and, and stoked again. Like it's, it's pretty cool to watch. Um, so yeah, I was, I was really fortunate to have, that's like probably one of the coolest things about doing this, you know, or the, or the biggest payback anyway, just, you know, a non-monetary payback, just a, having just the a really cool the, opportunity. Having the heroes of the game come and, yeah, and like, and say, you know, be stoked on on what I'm doing. My little this little thing that spurred out of this little baby town in in Utah, you know, is actually influencing, you know, snowboard design all the way around now, and it's it's influencing the way people ride. And of course, these 
you know, these guys are all riding my boards and they're super stoked on them. And to get feedback from those guys is like the best feedback you <laughs> could ever get. For, an for innovator, that's like the best feedback you can yeah, get. Yeah, for improving a product, like you're getting, you're getting feedback from, you know, the best riders in the industry. So that's really cool. Um, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective, um, I kind of have this theory, like, you know, the main things are have something awesome figure out how to attract people to want it from you and like not have the, like and have enough leadership that the human aspects of that don't break down, mm-hmm. you know, the systems. So, you know, we've been talking for a while here about all the iterations and they have something legitimately awesome, which, you know, it's a little bit of like the, the ultimate entrepreneurial thing where you're solving your own problem, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to go out and ask right. the users if it's any good. Yeah. <laughs> you guys yeah. just go hike. <laughs> right. right. Um, and by the way, just as a side note, are you are you more hikers? Do you do sled access? Do you do whatever you can get? We What's do your anything and everything? Um, we ride, you know, sleds sometimes to to approach. We'll hike. You know, I've got different. I've got verts, which are like a snowshoe that that's kind of made for going straight up, a hingeless snowshoe. Those work really well um, for going up steeps, and then uh, uh, foldable approach skis. Um, and then I also make split surfers. So we're splitboarding, we're hiking. Where, you know, I've I've never really got to ride a cat or a, a helicopter with it, but you know, we have in the area where I live here, we have good snowmobile access, and and the good mountains are, are actually really far off the beaten path, so you kind of have to ride a sled a few miles to get to a lot of the stuff we do out here. But I'm happy doing anything. I love, you know, I got to go to Japan and, and hike for weeks with, with oh, the really? guys out there. And that's like the best when you're uh, when you're in an area here. where there's good hiking and it's that easily accessible and you get to slow down and kind of see every little nook and cranny of the of the terrain and you get to watch your friends ripping and it's it's just more like a session. It's more like a skate session yeah, um, or a surf session, you know, because everyone's kind of right there in, in the little zone and and uh, and it's super efficient you know there's no downtime you you jump on a board you you rip it down you jump off throw, throw it under your arm and march back up the staircase you know it's it's so quick there's no you know when i'm splitboarding you know it's it's kind of a tear down put together it takes a lot of time but um but you know with verts and a, and a small little hiking area it's it's so quick you get so much yeah. bang for your buck that way and so little downtime it's well, super fun i'm kind of sad that i'm just finding about finding out about you guys now you know my brother and i and I, when we ran an investment fund in calgary we raised money for uh we tried to make fridays optional basically so mm-hmm. you know we're dads we got kids and stuff so we were trying to bail out to go out to you know revelstoke area you know uh quartz quartz creek and in uh, by golden bc was yeah. our fridays kind of thing nice. and uh there is something that i will say kind of magical about being out there without the lines and the lift tickets and the you know all that this like i think for me like one of the top two most peaceful places in the world is on top of a mountain like that after fresh snow when it's dead quiet mm-hmm. i don't think people who haven't been there like I don't realize how quiet it is. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard snow. to explain something like that to people that have never experienced. I feel like you're like seeing creation because you can see for so many miles, yeah. all these different directions, and it's just like pristine yeah. white and and just like it's a I don't know like a velvety quiet. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, I think that's a big part of the experience, really. I mean, it's like you know, surfers in the ocean get it. You know, you you paddle out far away from anything and everything, and and you wait for the action to happen really. And, and with, a, you know, in the mountains, it's even easier. You just pick a peak and you go to the top of it and then you drop right in. There's no waiting for the wave. I mean, you do have to wait for, you know, a proper condition or, or, you know, a, a nice day to do it or whatever, but it's, 
it's so much easier to get pow surf runs than it is, you know, time on a board than it is to get time on a surfboard yeah. because so much time spent paddling and, and waiting. And, <laughs> yeah, especially you know, if you're me, right? Like, <laughs> sure, yeah. I, I spent five years living a block from the pier in Huntington Beach and my, uh, my other peaceful place is Huntington Beach at... 5 30 in the morning right before, when, when no one's out <laughs> the only time in california is quiet yeah. and the and it's not windy right so yeah. you got the glassy ways nice. you know pelicans are dive bombing you there's maybe a couple dolphins and a couple surfers and it's actually quiet yeah. you know but you know your your seconds with your feet on a board versus your minutes on feet right. with a board, a little yeah. different yeah yeah no I, I love i mean i like doing it at resorts too when i can and doing side country outside of resorts but it, it's I, I love getting away from the masses, you know, and, and just being with nature and, and riding in the mountains. And it's, it's yeah. such a, a surreal experience just to be out there. Even, even all riding aside, you know, the riding is a, just a huge bonus even, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to get away from the, the mayhem. Well, you guys, you know, you've legitimately got something awesome. You've got the stamps, you know, stamp of approval from the Michael Jordans of the space. Like this, it, yeah, certified awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to call it that. All right. um, but in the world of help, helping people find out about it, attracting people to want it from you, mm-hmm. right? Um, what what kind of iterations have you done there? You know, it sounds like the videos have been a big part. Then mm-hmm. Facebook started to work. What, yeah, what the, did that look like? The videos are huge because you know people would see them and be like, oh yeah, that that'd be really fun. On do you mean physically, like if they saw it in a shop, or you mean on the video? Or like see a picture of it even okay. and they'd be like, oh yeah, that looks like a good time for, you know, some really mellow hills in the back country. And I'm thinking like, okay, like how about I show you a video? And so, you know, I, I use my, my video skills and my photography skills to show people what's possible. And it, it blows their mind because we're riding, you know, steeper, bigger mountains that, that, than a lot of people would even dare drop in on their snowboards and, you know, doing kickflips and shove and 360 flips and, you know, just kind of blowing people's minds and, because they, you know, just even the idea of not having, not being attached to a snowboard and riding down a mountain is, you know, way beyond people's ability to comprehend in general. And then when you show them, you know, dropping cliffs and, you know, slashing and ripping down chutes at top speed, like it just blows their mind. And and so I kind of gradually released, I would usually release like three-year-old footage, you know, and kind of just so we were, we knew we were well ahead of any sort of curve if it ever developed. And so... Yeah, the the videos were huge, and I would just kind of gradually release better and better footage. So every you know every new video, people were just like, "What? Like they're doing that? That's possible, you know?" And some people thought it was fake, you know. They what thought do you we mean? were like they're putting comments. That's not real. Yeah, yeah. People are saying, "Oh, that's not real." They're they're using straps. They're using trick trick photography and all this. And you know, we're just kind of laughing because <laughs> we know we're doing it fully legit. You know, it's it's truly binding free and. And um, we'd just been doing it for, you know, long enough to where we had the full confidence. And so the the videos that I make were huge. They got sent, you know, passed all over the all over the world, YouTube and Vimeo. And then Facebook, of course, really helped the sharing of all that. And and that's really kind of how I was able to build a company. You know, I back in the day, Facebook actually was good for businesses. Now you have to pretty much pay to play. But back then, you know, they would they would most people who subscribe to your stuff would see your stuff. And so it, it got passed around really quick and I was able to build a good following and, and a good name and get connections with shops and, you know, connections with more pro riders and everything. And, and, um, and Instagram has been really great because it's such a visual thing. You know, I can, I can put up the photos I take and, 
and again, you know, they're, it kind of blows people mind, people's minds. They're just, they can't believe that that's possible. Um, so it's, yeah, it gets, it gets shared because people are, it's got the wow factor and, you know, it's kind of, it, it kind of draws back to like snurfing and the original intentions of, of surfing on snow. And, you know, you think about snurfing, they were riding like, you know, sledding hills in the East coast, like with this rope skidding Giant along the tail, you know, and it's, it's a whole different, yeah, a whole different ball game, you know, like we're fully hands-free ripping just like a snowboarder. You almost wouldn't even know we didn't have bindings on, you know, unless you looked real close. And so it's, you know, it, it takes people back to the beginning. Uh, you know, a lot of people that are that are maybe in their forties or whatever, it, it reminds them of being a kid, and then they're just like, "Wow, like I want to do that again," and you know, or I want to, I want to get back to the roots. I want to get back to the basics. And you know, for some people, it reminds them of old school skateboarding too. And and then once they actually do it and get that feeling, then they're they're hooked because the feeling is amazing, and it and it it really makes you feel like a little kid again. And, you know, the simplest things become so much fun and it, and then you start to view the mountains differently and you start to, you know, see things that you never saw in the hills around you, even your backyard or even, you know, all these spots on the way to the ski hill off the side of the road. And you look at them after powder surfing and you're like, whoa, that is epic. Like we could spend a day right there. And so it really opens up, you know, some people think, oh, you have to have perfect powder. And so there's only going to be like two days in a season in this special area where you can go and do it. That's so not the case. Like we make, I make so many different shapes of boards to work in different types of snow. Yeah. Like that, uh, talk, talk for a minute about what you're showing me. Like, Hey, this one has side cut so you can deal with it. Yeah. So it's we, not as deep with this one's got the more of the surf. Feel. Yeah. I shape some that are for, you know, really deep powder, really floaty, really surf like, um, and some that are, you know, for really shallow powder all the way down to like two or three inches or, you know, you can, you can even ride like a mellow groomer on some of my boards and, and um and yeah it really depends on where you live in uh in the world because snow is different everywhere some areas get a lot of wind affected snow and so it's thicker and and uh and a little more variable and so i'll, I'll shape a board to perform in those conditions and, and you know we i make 15 different shapes and sizes for different sizes of riders in different areas of the world and so you can you can go riding almost like every day like in utah we had the worst season in recorded history last season and I got 70 days pow surfing, you know, and most people would tell you there was four powder days last year, you know, <laughs> but if you know, you know how to get around in the backcountry and where to look, which you learn that from being a pow surfer, it's, it's just like being a surfer. You learn when the waves come in, you learn where to go, you learn where the channels are at, you know, you, it's experience teaches you everything. And, and so uh, it really opens up more terrain than it did before because there's all these little nooks and crannies that you overlooked as a snowboarder, as a skier. And uh, once you've been pow surfing, you can kind of visualize those in a whole new way and they become playgrounds for you. Yeah, I got to say, uh, not having not having grown up around here, a little, little sad about last season. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> today, as we, we've got 12 plus inches in my backyard from bone dry yesterday yeah. feeling like maybe the season is going to pay us back for yeah, us so. season. <laughs> hopefully it comes back like the good old days because it, it's been about four or five years of pretty shallow winters here in utah um so when you talk about um you know you think about these videos and there's there's such buzz these days in the business community about content marketing mm -hmm. right it's not an advertisement it's you know it's something that people want to consume anyways yeah it is like you kind of have the ultimate form of that. Like, hmm. like you just use the thing 
and it almost becomes its own marketing. Yeah. Yeah, I try I try not to make them obvious ads cuz I think that turns people off. You know, I I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like to be marketed to <laughs> blatantly, you know. So I try to, you know, show the product and show it being used and, you know, maybe describe a little bit about the way we think when we're doing it or the the conditions that the snow happened to be on that day to just help kind of educate them as they enjoy, you know, a, a nicely put together video and you know, it's almost like a I call it Powell surf pornography more or less is what it is because it's, you know, gorgeous, like powder flying over the place, hitting you in the face and, you know, smiles and and yeah, good times. Like people can relate to that stuff that, that ski and snowboard. And so, so it's pretty easy to show them something beautiful and, and, uh, and the boards are so versatile. They work so well. It's really, it's actually really easy to get the footage too. (laughs) Now, do you do anything as far as like, a board selector to help people understand, no, this one has the devil concave or this one has. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to do pretty, pretty deep descriptions on the websites and then, you know, within the videos, I'll talk up some of the shapes or some of the Instagram posts of of the various shapes. And, um, yeah, I try to help them. And, you know, I'm like, if you don't, if you're having trouble, just email me and I'll work with you one-on-one. It's a really customized thing. It's like chirping, uh, shaping a surfboard for somebody you know you, you take into account their their foot size their height their weight where they ride and how they ride and then you you build them a surfboard and that's pretty much how my boards work you know i, I customize the top sheets for for the size um, of foot that the people have and then i also customize the the widths the widths of the board as well for for different foot sizes and and yeah we have different varieties of three-dimensional bases um, we have some flat bases so it really you know the diff- they they all perform so much differently and and kind of uh break specific if you will or uh condition specific and so you know if they can't figure it out by reading a paragraph or two then then I encourage them just to drop me a line and I'll I'll type them out or I'll give them a call and chat with them about it just sure cuz I you know I don't I'm not just trying to sell stuff to people like just to get it off my hands like I it's it, this is a passion project and I want them to be happy i want them to have the best experience ever you know it's 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 i'm not like selling for money i'm selling for an experience you know and i want you know i want them to be happy with them i don't want them to just throw their money away just for the sake of me getting rid of another board you know it's just i want to i want to feel good about it and i want them to feel good about it so i'm happy to help people out that way well um before we got started you were talking a bit about collaborations and different things you know going up with the participating and stuff with the no board guys up in Mm -hmm. canada and collabs with the bluebird wax guys in jackson um is that then intentional or just a byproduct of being in the community um well some of the snowboard guys just invented me my friend or invited me up one year rob my friend rob stevens he's an alberta kid he he invited me up he's like yeah come come ride we're going to test out a bunch of different boards and and so i went up and and uh met him and a whole bunch of other Canadian legends of snowboarding up in Whistler and just had a blast riding all these different boards. And then, uh, from there we, we went to the Greg Todd's Memorial event and that was like the coolest event I'd ever been to. And the guys were just so cool. Everybody up there just has such an amazing attitude and they're, they're just mountain people and they they just soak it in. They just have such a good time that, that I, I swore that I'd be back every year for the rest of my life. Cause I had such a great time with those guys and, and, um, so really, you know, it's, it's common ground, but then you make these friendships, you know, with people of similar interests. Like there's, 
it's a, it's a niche thing, you know, there's not going to be tons of people that do this. It's a lot like skateboarding used to be, you know, you'd, you'd hear the roar of skateboard wheels going down the sidewalk and you'd perk up and you'd run outside and find out who it was because <laughs> you knew that they, it was either your body or it was probably going to be your body. Oh, yeah. when I- and so pal surfing is so niche like that. Like when you meet somebody who's into it, it takes kind of a special type of person that has a lot of these prerequisites, you know? And so, so you just, I don't know, people like, it's really easy to bond and make new friends that way. And then, uh, you know, a lot of the collabs, the bluebird stuff and, and, um, you know, they're just friends of mine from, from snowboarding for so many years and, and, uh, and they're, they're a company that like, I believe in what they do. They're really passionate about what they do. It's like a local company and they've, they've done their best to be, um, just to sell like an honorable product and run an honorable business. And instead of just kind of, you know, selling something to, to just make money, they're actually passionate about it and they really love what they do. So those are the people that I want to collaborate with. And so is it spending time with them up in Jackson that you met Brian Gucci or is that another way or how did that all come together? Um, how did I meet Brian? Yeah, I think I met Brian through, through hanging out up in Jackson for the first time. Um, and then his wife reached out to me to to get him a pal surfer for Christmas you know, a bunch of years ago. Oh, yeah. and, and then from there, I just started chatting with him and, and uh, you know, getting him on some different boards to try out. And, and uh, yeah, just riding and mutual friends and, and that kind of thing. And, and then, you know, people being stoked on pal surfing and wanting to learn more. I, I meet a lot of people like that, but that I end up recognizing the name from, Oh yeah, I remember you were pro snowboarder back in the nineties or whatever. You know, it's, that seems like the perfect person, you know, like almost, <laughs> I hate to call them washed up, but older snowboarders that are like, you know, they've been through it all. They, they've got real good experience. They know the, the back country, they know powder. They, and, and they get on a board that behaves so much differently than a snowboard and it feels amazing to them and it allows them new to, chance for progression. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like a rebirth, you know, it's like going back to being a kid again and it, it gets them so stoked and just makes them feel young and awesome again, you know? So it's, it's really easy, <laughs> easy to sell those people on it. You know, they just have to step on it and they have the skills to immediately start ripping it. And yeah. they're just like, whoa, you know, they, they're blown away by how well they work, how well they turn, how much control you have. And, um, yeah, I get some real stoked to, to get out and keep doing it. You, know, you talk about nature and I tell you between like Tofino on Vancouver Island for mm-hmm. surfing and snowboarding out like Jackson Pass or Targhee or those places that just get that gun smoke powder. Yeah. I mean, nature wise, that place is tops for me. Yeah. Gotta yeah. It's a beautiful it. place. I love, I love Jackson, but man, the interior of BC is really incredible too. And yeah, then visiting Japan has incredible oh, snow, Japan. and and really, and and a lot of it's the people. You know, I think that those type of areas breed a certain type of people that are, you know, they're extra passionate, they're extra like connected with nature, and and for them, you know, having getting rid of of a lot of the frills and and the things that they don't feel are needed, like and simplify, you know, their entire lifestyle, and and uh, you know, pow surfing is a very simplified form of snowboarding, really. Um, and so I, I don't know, they they seem to be really attracted to that. It's, it's huge in Japan. They, they love it. They really get it because they're so used to, you know, they have a deep appreciation for nature and, you know, they, they move with it the way they ride, you know, they, they flow like water down a slope, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch because they've, they've got such good style and, 
and they just kind of meld with the mountain and let the mountain be your guide is kind of how kind of how pow surfing works you don't you don't fight the fall line on a pow surfer or else you're not going to have a good time <laughs> you know you find the you find the fall line and the dips and the gullies and everything and they they take you down just like you know hopping on a wave that wave is your guide you know you you adhere to that like you you adjust to to where it's going and so it's it's really similar. I always say it's it's way more similar to surfing than it is to snowboarding. Really, the, the similarity to snowboarding is really just that you're in the mountains and there's snow. I guess is is the connection there. But it's it's really feels a lot more like surfing, and the whole experience in itself is a lot more like surfing, where you're actually paddling out or hiking out to yeah. to these special places to get to get your waves or your runs or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> you know. Um... But I, I always like to ask guests, you know, you think about getting the word out about something, right? So my family, we started a charity six years ago called Child Rescue. We're trying to stop people who are exploiting children, like child mm-hmm. sex trafficking. And we do, you know, we do have a prevention campaign for youth by youth at high schools. We help fund aftercare facilities like here in the States. And, you know, we're helping build an orphanage in Peru right now. And we do law enforcement programs like police trainings here in the States or we do some cyber work for some departments and we just helped with that undercover rescue mission down in South America last weekend that super stoked that got the kids out. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a different skill set than regular business a bit, the charity side. So I always Mm -hmm. like to ask all the guests if they have any advice for us of if they were, you know, if you were our consultant, what kind of advice would you give to us about getting the word out more about trying to get more people involved in helping kids? Well, you just show the, the wives that it changes, you know, the human part of it, I would think, you know, show the difference that's being made, really. Like, I would I would do it visually. I mean, that's just the type of person I am. Photos and, and video, and, and, you know, humanize it. And I think that's the most, the most important. Like, what I do is I sell, you know, experiences or whatever and, and really, like, the smile on the face is just as important as the the spray of powder kicking up behind the board or whatever, you know, like it, that communicates really well. People's eyes, people's smiles, people's, uh, the, you know, the words that come out of their mouths, the stoke, you know, like, so I don't know that's, if I were you, I'd go that route yeah. just cause I'm a visual guy, but people connect to that, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, as far as, you know, this constant progression, are you, are you much of a reader? Are you into like, you know, as you're shaping this into a business too, are you much of a podcast guy or read books or anything like that? Are you a bit more of um, talk I, to people? But yeah, I, I love listening to podcasts because I can do it like while I drive or while, you know, while I can't be yeah. doing something else. So I think I really like podcasts a lot. You've obviously hit some big milestones. It doesn't sound like you're, you're, you're slowing down now. Um, what are, what are some of the kind of the things you're looking to do next? Um, just, just trying to keep expanding really and, and keep getting the word out and uh, kind of tell some more stories. Like I want to create some more movies cause those, those would have a big Im- impact on people. And um, like the boards, the boards are writing so incredibly well now, way better than I'm, I'm so happy with the way the boards are right now. So I just, I want to get them in more people's hands and, um, and try to keep the value in it. Um, I have a hard time, these are all handmade, handcrafted objects. And so there's a lot of value in that that doesn't, that, I don't know, in the U.S., it seems that maybe it's not as appreciated. Um, you know, in Europe, they buy them up. They say, why are they so cheap? And I'm like, 
I'm like, because the people in the U.S. tell me they're too expensive. <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, I'd like to get help get over that, you know, to where, you know, help people understand the value in them. And, and why are they so much different than a than a mass produce a mass produce object in in China or something? So I, you know, I want to tell more stories about the soul of it, um, you know, and and why we do it and make it more, you know, less of a commodity and and just just show how special it really is, really. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd like to get I'd like to expand more, obviously, and I'm I'm building a shop. A little garage out here next door, um, so that I can increase my my building capacity. And I still want to keep it, you know, I want to keep it in Utah because I believe in, you know, keeping jobs local. And I want, you know, I know I could make a lot of more money if I outsource to China or something. But I I think that kind of takes the soul out of out of what we're doing. And I want to keep it special and and valuable. And I want to help, you know, help my friends get jobs, and you know, focus more on. Uh, cruising around and meeting different groups of people and actually riding with them and selling the experience that way instead of, you know, from behind a computer as much. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just want to keep traveling and I want to keep helping it grow and obviously progressing and continuing to, to wow people and have jaws drop when they see what we're doing and stuff like that. And, you know, continue to meet all these really cool people in snowboarding. Cause it's really like, that's the most rewarding thing is, is the people. I mean, that's kind of what life's all about. Really. That's what makes life special. I think. And, and this journey through power surfing is, has taken me down a road to meet so many cool people that there's no way I would have ever met any other way, any other way. So I, I want to keep charging at that because that's been amazing. Yeah. Um, well, we really appreciate, you know, I appreciate the time that you've, you've made for the show today. Um, any parting advice for somebody who's, got a dream something that they feel like has soul but doesn't seem to be working yet but they don't feel like they should be giving up on it any any thoughts of encouragement about sticking it out yeah i don't know i would just yeah don't don't get in your head too much <laughs> you know like just keep just ride it out and uh you know if it's something that you that you've got a pretty good idea that it's going to be good then you're going to find people that are like you you know what i mean even if it's a really niche thing like powder surfing or whatever you know like the craziest niche thing ever like if you're passionate about it and you love it there's a really good chance that uh, a lot of other people will love it even if they don't know it yet like in my case with powder surfing you just you do it and then eventually maybe five years down the road you'll be able to show them how it's done and then they'll be like oh wow and then they'll try it and then their their life's changed or whatever so i don't know if, if you think it's a great idea and you've got got a a good feeling about it, then I would say go with it. Even, even if you have to just keep chopping away a little bit at a time in your spare time or whatever, just keep it, keep it on your mind. And, and uh, yeah, if it's in your mind and your heart, it'll probably be good. It might awesome. just take, it might just take a long time, <laughs> <laughs> but if you love it then then that's all good, you know? So. Yeah. I don't know too many awesome things that are uh, quick, cheap and easy. So yeah, yeah, there's me neither. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for uh, making time and I appreciate having you on the show. Thanks a lot for having me. And that's the show. Thanks for listening today. Again, if you're interested in the bonus materials that we will be producing, make sure to come to our website and join the Ideation Collective while it's still free. The website, iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. And as always, if you want to learn more about getting involved in helping the team rescue kids from traffickers, please visit iCollective.co slash child rescue.
Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.